You are listening to I Doubt It with me, your host, Jesse Dolliman, a podcast dedicated to free-thinking discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. Brittany Page. Hola. <laughs> and this is I Doubt It, your daily home. That's well, not really your daily home. It's not really your home either. We fix what ails ya. <laughs> we mm. do a something to entertain ya. This is getting off to a great start. God damn. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, little little new news for ya. I just learned that Brittany's mm-hmm sounds very similar to her mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Very, they, very, very similar. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, you know, when you were a kid, well, at least with me, and you would think I would have learned it early on, that when someone asks you, hey, do you want an extra portion of Brussels sprouts? And you say, nah... Oftentimes, maybe it was just the adults playing tricks on me, saying that they they heard yeah when I actually said nah. Yeah, I do the mm-hmm thing a lot when people are talking to me, and I, I never noticed that it's kind of annoying until several people have told me it's annoying. So I even had one person one time tell me it was like it seemed aggressive because I was doing it a lot. When you well, you, I'm. When you do your mm hmm, mm hmm, mm hmm, and this has nothing to do with my Brussels sprout, nah, yeah, sounding alike. It, when you do it, it's because as someone's speaking, you're doing it to let them know, I'm listening, I'm listening, oh yes, I'm still listening. Yeah. And a lot of times, especially when I first met you, I thought it was, you're not fucking listening. You're trying to act like you're listening by saying mm hmm, mm hmm, mm hmm. Constantly. Yeah, it's definitely not that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, well, you know, it, I think it's it's kind of a, a like, um, I know people who are very sweet and very genuine. So much so that you think, fuck, they got to be putting this on. There's no way they're this sweet. There's no way they're this interested. There's no way they think that what I'm saying is quite that funny. Yeah. But then there's people who... I fucking know are absolutely just liars yes. and laughing. Oh, he, he, he. it's For like sure. they're trying to get something out of you. Yeah. And that's what I, someone accused me of that one time too. I was doing mm-hmm, mm-hmm, while they were talking yeah, yeah. and they started accusing me of like being a salesman. They asked me if I was in sales before and that I was trying to do some tactic on them. And I said, no, I'm just making sure that, you know that I'm hearing your concerns right now and it's it's a bummer. It doesn't seem genuine. I have to, I've kind of tried to curb it since it doesn't seem genuine, but then I have a hard time. I guess it helps me keep my focus too. I don't, everyone has those verbal tics where they let people know they're hearing them. There's a lot having been a salesman for much of my life. I would have to say that, well, there's a lot of bad habits that you break being a salesman. And I, 
I should write a book because I I made all the mistakes that there could be. Yeah. I even I was a a marketing rep uh, for Motorola for a while, and I was in a Radio Shack talking to a guy, and right in the middle of him fucking talking. I yawned really loud, really big. Wow. Yeah. He was not happy about it. Did you cover your mouth? Of course. I mean, I was polite about it. And he was just like, uh, are you, uh, you, you bored? I mean, he just <laughs> called me right out on it. Wow. It's like, no, man. It doesn't mean I'm bored that I'm yawning. Yeah. It means I'm tired or yeah. my brain needs to be cooled off or something. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. But then there were other times, you know, where I'm not intently focused on the person with whom I'm speaking. And I get the, they pause and look at me and like, yeah. like if I'm looking around or, you know, I can multitask. I don't have to be looking straight at your face. Yeah. But it's, it's common courtesy. For so. sure. Anyway, wow. We didn't even uh, <laughs> do, the, do the regular intro where we beg people to rate and review us on iTunes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Um, 657-464-7609. Call us on our dedicated voicemail line. I wish we had a name for it. That's something for you guys to do. Listeners, name our voicemail line. That you never call. That no one ever calls. It's so important that it gets a name from you since no one ever calls it. Yeah. Uh, we are on Twitter, as always, at Dollamore, at Brittany E. Page, and the never used at I Doubt It podcast. For sure, like us on the Facebook page so you can interact with us relative to some of the stories that we talk about. Um, so I think you know we've kind of covered the we've covered the the gamut as far as uh, social media is concerned. Oh no, no, we didn't. We Instagram. Yeah, we don't have an Instagram. Which, uh, I I don't know that we will have an Instagram because it'll end up being Anthony Weiner dick pics or criminals like that guy recently. The, the 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 ding dong that tried to rob the the e-cigarette store. Yes, a Boca Raton. Boca Raton. Boca Raton. A Boca Raton e-cigarette. L let me let, let me uh, hang on. <laughs> you there? Don't feel bad because Florida is certainly not important enough to dedicate any of the city's names to memory of how to pronounce it. Mm, it's okay. it's not. A Boca Rattan <laughs> e-cigarette burglar was immediately identified when the victim told police the suspect follows his business on Instagram. An owner of a Florida e-cigs and vapes business watched surveillance video of a burglar throwing a brick through the front door and stealing about $2,000 worth of e-cigarettes and juice used in the cigarettes on Sunday. The owner said he recognized the burglar as Tanner Bradshaw, 18, a regular customer and one of his nearly 350 followers, 350 followers. Right. It's a very successful business. Yes. The business has on Instagram. A photo of Bradshaw's driver's license is one of his 80 photos on his Instagram account. <laughs> So just an easy way to identify him as the perp. Well, it would be easy to consider this guy a, a dumbass or you could say that he's very just doing his, his due diligence. He's doing his research to see who he's going to who he's going to, you know, outline first as his first victim. 
it does make sense that you would follow the businesses that you know you want to rob because you want to get more information about them you want to kind of see what the product is look at the inventory from afar but if you're gonna go rob them you shouldn't be following them and i'm sure he must have been liking the photos because yeah. how would they have like right, put right. two and two together well he the the kid already has and he is a kid his mugshot will put it up on the website he's 18 uh oh yeah <laughs> well i mean kid i mean he's he's not a he has a baby face he's not an old man um he he's got a couple things working against him one the obvious one that everyone can guess is that you know he's he's florida and two he is a one of those vapor vape vape guys yeah the, the, these, it's like a new fad. Would you call it a fad? I guess so, yeah. Because it's, it seems like many people are doing it that don't really, they don't smoke. Th that's the thing that I find odd is that people whom I know who don't smoke, who are now into like vapes, like a fuck, it's like a verb now. Yeah, to it vape. is. Yeah. And it's a hashtag. I know there's some people I know that use the hashtag like girls who vape or something. Hashtag hot girls who vape. Ugh, well, it should be hot. If I don't you're vaping. know them. I know of them. Or vape life. Yeah, vape life. Ah, the vape life. <laughs> it's like thug life, but it's we're vaping. And then it's the picture of them with, where they're they have all the smoke covering their face coming out of their mouth yeah, and like remember a few years ago, and I would assume it's not as popular as it once was, but. Hookah was super, got really big. Yeah. And everybody was into it. It's a lot like hookah. And all the, the stupid pictures of people with the billowy, the crazy billowy smoke around them as they were. Yeah, it's very much like the hookah fad. Yeah. Which was a fad because it's not that popular anymore. Yeah. <laughs> At least, I guess, maybe not in my circles. Maybe it burned out and we... Yeah, I don't I mean, know. I have a hookah. Yeah, but I, I always... There were always pictures of people at hookah bars. And yeah, yeah. Well... Are there hookah bars now? Oh, I think so. Or is it just there's I still, knew about them because no, I was 18 no, at there, the time? and there are still Persians, so yeah, there's <laughs> there's hookah bars. So right. that's, you know, he's a, he's a Florida guy. So speaking of Florida, did you pull it up? What's uh, what's going on from our, our good friend and new contributor, at underscore Florida man? Well, since so many people raved about how funny some of these headlines were. Yeah, we definitely got a lot of good feedback. We had to read some more, so we're going to do that right now. Florida man bites wife after she tells overweight mother-in-law to sit in the middle seat so the weight ratio will even out. <laughs> Which, that's legitimate. Yeah, sure. I, could, I mean, the bite or that she told her that? No, that she's trying to even <laughs> things out. She's just thinking about the gas mileage and she's trying to, you know, yeah, do the right not, thing. They're not flying a Cessna. They're, it's not a little plane that they have to make sure doesn't tip over in flight. It's, it's their jalopy. You know... You don't know the situation. You're being kind of judgy right now. Well, that's my life. Florida man robs bank, tries to disguise face with fake sneezes. What I love about this one is you have to, on its face, it's like, well, you know, he's covering his face. That sounds like it would work. But you got to really think about exactly how this would go down. Yeah. He's in a bank. He's got to be having the world's worst sneezing fit over and over and covering it it's like it's like when brett who's on the religious roundup weekly he has terrible sinuses and he, he, 
it, at some point they're, they're just going to have to cut his head off because it's ridiculous how much this guy sneezes. It would have to be the repetitive 17 sneezes in a row. Just a, t- a stream of sneezing. Yeah, well, so much sneezing that he can't actually communicate, I'm here to rob your bank. <laughs> like a horrible <laughs> allergic reaction, yeah. pollen yeah. everywhere. He's allergic to lawful behavior. Yeah, <laughs> evidently. Florida man tells cops he doesn't have time for arrest, has Jesus running through his body, and must go do the Lord's work. Yeah, that sounds legitimate to Isn't me. Isn't that so. everybody? Yeah. Everybody has that going on. Move on. That, that's, that's not a news story. Shirtless Florida man shouted about knowing Carrie Underwood before being tased by the cops. Well, first of all, of course, they don't even need to say he's shirtless. He's a Florida man. He's clearly shirtless. Yes, so there's a lot, little redundancy there. Whoever wrote this headline doesn't know what they're doing. And second of all, he should be tased just for knowing Carrie Underwood. That's, that was probably the punishment. <laughs> I, I just don't understand the connection between knowing Carrie Underwood and then having the privilege of not being tased if you're out of control <laughs> and being arrested. What does that have to do with anything? Yeah, so another headline. I don't want to freak you out, says Florida Amanda Cop, but I have someone in the trunk. <laughs> Most people would be alarmed. Listen, I've got a concealed carry handgun permit, and I have a handgun in the glove compartment. But he he wants to let him know he's got somebody in the trunk. Yeah. This also could maybe not be a headline because it's not news. This probably happens all the time in Florida. <laughs> people in the trunk. That, that's, I think Sadly. That's, I think that's probably... One of the questions, license, registration, do you have someone in your trunk? Yeah. It's just normal course of business for Florida patrol. Florida man hurls bricks and racial slurs at neighborhood children, tries to pedal away on ex-wife's bicycle. There's so much beauty in that sentence right there. It didn't say kid. It says Florida man. A man did that. Florida man hurls bricks and racial slurs at neighborhood children. And pedals away on a bike. And I, I, I think that you could probably be safe to assume he wasn't hurling slurs. Hurling slurs. Wow. He's a slur hurler. Hurling slurs at white children. He wasn't like, oh, hey, crackers. He was, I think he was uh, probably a shirtless Florida man on ex-wife's bike. That is probably correct. <laughs> Florida man surrenders to cops, but not before chugging his beer. Of course. You got to take care of biz. Florida man drinks two bottles of champagne, attacks neighbor with telescope. That's an expensive weapon. Well, I think they probably spelled champagne wrong. I think they they should have spelled it B-E-E-R because nobody in Florida drinks champagne. Yeah. Nobody. <laughs> Jealous Florida man shoots up co-worker's car after she wins employee of the month. That's some extreme jealousy right there. Yeah. That guy was not happy with that. (laughs) Florida man resents being third wheel, stabs kissing couple with box cutter. I think that's more than resenting something. I think that's just full-blown anger problem. Yeah, It's not like you wake up in the middle of a date or in the middle of hanging out and you realize you're the third person. You, you you have the ability to choose not to go because you know you're going to be the third wheel. Apparently, he didn't think about that before he went. He just uh, ar- he was aroused from his meth haze. 
Well, he's a Florida man. He's a Florida man. So these last two aren't Florida men, so it's going to be a little different, but still exciting, right, everybody? (laughs) Florida teen allegedly stole $11,000 worth of monkeys and parrots. Man, I wish they hadn't said parrots, because my question was going to be, how much monkeys... How much monkeys? <laughs> How much monkeys makes $11,000? How many monkeys does it take? How many monkeys slash parrots? That's a pile of monkeys and parrots, right? I don't know what a pile is. Can you define what a pile would be of monkeys and parrots? Well, I mean, your smallest pile. One monkey would probably be a, a pile. Oh, okay. I think. I mean, two monkeys, I guess, would be a pile, right? Yeah. We're just making stuff up now. Well, so. it's a murder of crows. Isn't it like a flock of seagulls, a murder of cl- crows, a herd of cattle? It's a pile of monkeys, right? Isn't that? <laughs> I don't think so, no. <laughs> or is it a barrel mm, full of monkeys? I don't know. Mm. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows. But that was a teenager. Yes. So he's, a spi- he's aspiring to be like the vape Florida thief. Well, maybe he's just watched too many animal experts on TV. And... I wonder if he followed the pet store. On Instagram. Florida woman brings two babies to armed robbery. (laughs) So the Florida women are problems here now, too. They don't mention whether they're her babies. Yeah, just any babies, just two (laughs) babies that she picked up. Well, you know, I think they're letting these babies off a little a little easy by not considering them accomplices. Yeah, well, this isn't Iraq. (laughs) That was Pakistan. Pakistan. This is not Pakistan. Which we didn't mention last time, but there was a baby in Pakistan who was a nine-month-old baby who has since been, um, the charges have been dropped, but was legitimately charged with attempted murder. He was fingerprinted. Finger. There's a picture online that we could also put on the website. And he is the cutest baby you've ever seen. Even while... Screaming in terror because he is being fingerprinted for attempted murder. He's screaming, being held while he's fingerprinting, while he's being fingerprinted. And he's grabbing the face of his grandfather who's holding him while he's being fingerprinted and just screaming his head off. Right. It, which is, you know, part and parcel. It goes right along with the par for the course relative to the, your, your everyday business in the, in the Muslim world. It's like my my very favorite Muslim organization, which this is kind of a follow-up story, but uh, CARE, um, the, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, the same organization that I affiliate with terrorism, but not just, it's not just uh, good old Jesse, not just good old Dalimore, Democrat Senator Charles Schumer from New York, he described the organization as, uh, or is quoted as saying, you know, care which we know has ties to terrorism another democrat so these aren't your these aren't you know your fox news typical republicans who are screaming about islam these are democrats and bleeding heart liberals dick durbin said uh he he said that care is in its extreme rhetoric and its associations with groups that are suspect and um stephen pomerantz the fbi's former chief counterterrorism official he noted that care its leaders and its activities effectively give aid to international terrorist groups and finally the family of john p o'neill senior who was the former fbi counterterrorism chief 
who died at the World Trade Center, uh, his family named care in a lawsuit as having been part of a criminal conspiracy of radical Islamic terrorism. So it's not just me who is, is talking shit about this terrible uh, front, this, this organization that purports itself to be a charity and an anti-defamation type of uh, organization for Islam. They recently did something pretty shitty, again, relative to the Honor Diaries. Well, again, in terms of what we talked about on the previous podcast when they have interfered with the screenings of the documentary Honor Diaries. And recently they were involved in preventing someone from getting an honorary degree from Brandeis University. I stumbled upon this article, which I found pretty profound and important because it asks where the feminist anger is at Brandeis because this woman Ion Hersey is a heroic defender of women's rights in the Islamic world and this article says that she has a life story that reads like a screenplay she's personally experienced many of the evils that she fights including genital mutilation forced marriage and savage honor crimes her remarkable accomplishments should easily merit the honor of any university that upholds reason and intelligent diversity. But Brandeis apparently has different priorities now because they're giving care and the Islamophobia phobes a veto over honorary degrees because they were going to give her one and care stepped in and protested that. Right. And Brandeis University gave in to that pressure. Which is unbelievable and inexcusable, I would say unforgivable. And one of the reasons they went after Ion Hersey is because she was involved in making the Honor Diaries documentary, which apparently goes out of its way to convey respect for moderate Islam. In the documentary, one of the nine women who are focused upon says that Islam is her spiritual journey. And all of the women in this documentary are passionate about exposing the terrible abuses of women and girls in the Muslim cultures, even though they are still advocates for their religion. Yeah, it's not this isn't some this isn't some woman who's like uh, some Jewish woman who hates Islam. This is a woman who grew up in Islam. She was had her genitals mutilated, which is a terrible, horrific X-rated procedure, cruel, terrible. So this woman has a, she should have a voice. She should be heard and she should. I mean, I don't know how much respect I have for honorary degrees, but if they're going to honor this woman, they should certainly shouldn't give care a voice in the matter. It has nothing to fucking do with care. Well, and so this woman that we're talking about, Ion Hersey, she was just involved in making the Honor Diaries documentary. She wasn't one of the nine women that are featured in it. Those nine women are the ones that still affiliate themselves mm. with Islam. Right. Ion is an atheist, and she's an outspoken atheist. She's an outspoken critic of even moderate Islam. Okay. Well, she's with me then. And even the nine women in Honor Diaries, the nine women that are focused upon in, nine, in Honor Diaries... None of them think such horrors should be excused or neglected out of a misplaced cultural sensitivity or political correctness. 
But this article that I found asking the question, where is the feminist anger at Brandeis? They talk about how this this misplaced cultural sensitivity or political correctness happens routinely. And people prepared to label opposition to employer-paid contraceptives a war on women are generally much less willing to channel their outrage at the savagery of honor killings or child marriages in non-Western societies. Right, and this quote, I think, is pretty profound. It's, it's where, Where's your Sandra Fluck? Those types. I think this quote from the article is pretty profound. They say, quote, they fear treading on cultural toes. We're constantly having to remind them that cultural acceptance does not mean accepting the unacceptable. Absolutely. And it's always the progressives, the liberals, that are outspoken for women's rights. At least that's the claim. But where are they on issues pertaining to Islam and the Muslim countries? It's definitely, listen, both sides have their... Both sides have their problems. You've got your far-right Republican side, your far-right conservative side that doesn't give a fuck whose toes they step on. And then you've got your liberal, your far-left liberal weirdos who don't want to step on anybody's toes because, uh, can't judge, won't judge, don't judge. So it's, again, another case where right down the middle is probably where we need to be. But this care organization isn't a right-down-the-middle organization. This is a radical, radical organization. They're not in the middle. And I appreciate this article because they flat-out ask, why aren't more progressives passionate about these issues? Why are they valuing the honor of a community more than a woman's life or voice? They say in the article, the biggest human rights crisis of our generation is the treatment of women in Muslim-majority countries, and we've applied a gag order to ourselves. We won't talk about it. Where are my fellow liberals? Where are the feminists? Yeah, it's, it's absurd. It's, you know, it's until something hits home, it's easy not to look at the problem because it's not right in, in, in liberal women, you know, women, li- liberal women's liber i'm all over those those type of people it's not right up in their face and it's not affecting them directly so it's easy to not to not talk about it yeah so if you want to offer support to ion hersey please do i haven't seen anyone mention her on twitter so i don't think she has a twitter but sam harris is doing an interview with her that he'll be posting on his blog soon and people have kind of been not necessarily attacking Brandeis University, but they've definitely been letting their voices be heard to that university, letting them know that they made the wrong choice. And and that still needs to happen. So another thing, newsworthy, is the lovely and talented, and I wish you could see my face and eyes when I said that, the lovely and talented Jenny McCarthy came out recently and I think she wrote uh, an op-ed for the Chicago Times, Chicago Sun-Times, where she is now claiming that she has never been anti-vaccine and she has always been pro-vaccine. That's the exact quote from the oh, article. Look at that, right off the top of my head. And she says, this is not a change in my stance, nor is it a new position that I recently adopted. And... We were listening to clips of her today, and that's true. She has always said that she's not anti-vaccine. But the thing is, just because she's saying she's not anti-vaccine doesn't mean she's not anti-vaccine. Right. It is it is easy to say, 
I'm not anti-vaccine. But the beautiful thing about being a human, and I've said this before and you'll hear me say it a million more times, we have the commonality of language. So you can say I'm not anti-vaccine, but when I parse everything else together that you say, and it says without saying I'm anti-vaccine, I can make a judgment. And any clear-thinking individual can make a judgment that in the, the record, in the annals of everything that she's said, she's anti-vaccine. So that's kind of the overview of what she wrote. She's not anti-vaccine. She's pro-vaccine. And I don't want to go through the entire thing because that's the general point. And we're going to kind of play some quotes of hers and read some additional quotes of hers that are different than that, but I'm going to go ahead and read you directly from her op-ed what she says she believes about vaccines. This is what I believe. I believe in the importance of a vaccine program, and I believe parents have the right to choose one poke per visit. I've never told anyone not to vaccinate. Should a child with the flu receive six vaccines in one doctor visit? Should a child with a compromised immune system be treated the same way as a robust, healthy child? Shouldn't a child with a family history of vaccine reactions have a different plan? Or at least the right to ask questions? I will continue to say what I have always said. One size does not fit all. God help us all if gray is no longer an option. I think what she means there is if relative to black and white. If things aren't black and white, if it's gray... and. I don't think that any doctor is going to say it's a one-size-fits-all, one-size-fits-all treatment approach for every human being. That's absurd. No, but the issue of are vaccines safe is a black-and-white issue. Absolutely it is. But relative to, the, relative to the things she's saying, should a child with a compromised immune system be treated the same way as a robust, healthy child? What doctor, what reputable, credible doctor, educated doctor say no, I'm sorry, your your child has to be treated just like everyone else. At, even when someone gets cancer, their treatment is different. Everyone's treatment is different. They attack things different ways relative to that person and their situation. No one is claiming no one is claiming what she's saying. So again, it's she's just rattling things off. And in this in this first clip, she's she's again being inflammatory in just about every way she can all the time in everything she does because that's what that's what garners headlines so again keep in mind before i play this that going forward everything we're going to talk about in this segment is based on the fact that she just wrote she just wrote an essay she just wrote an article an op-ed in the chicago sun times stating that she is not anti-vaccine Without a doubt in my mind, I believe vac vaccinations triggered Evan's autism. That sounds pretty pro-vaccine, doesn't it? So in response to the Chicago Sun-Times op-ed, Jeffrey Kluger at Time, he's a science writer, responded to her because Jenny McCarthy actually mentioned him in her op-ed, uh, mentioned a interview that they had in, I believe, 2009. And she pulled some quotes from that interview but didn't give the full quotes, so Jeffrey had to respond. That's what's great. People forget that all this stuff is available. 
So he starts, he wrote a letter to Jenny. He starts the letter and he says, Dear Jenny, you believe vaccines cause autism, that they are related to OCD, ADHD, and other physical and behavioral ills, that they are overprescribed, teeming with toxins, poorly regulated, and that the only reason we keep forcing them into the sweet, pristine immune systems of children is because doctors, big pharma, and who knows what, all sinister forces want it that way. That's a pretty accurate summary of what Jenny McCarthy does believe about vaccines. Absolutely. It's it's shocking to me that she hasn't been ab- just labeled as a conspiracy theorist over and over and over by credible sources because that is what she is. She's She's saying that your doctor, America... The doctor you go to, he's in on it. She's in on it. They're in on it. They know that vaccines are a large cause, if not a sole cause of autism. And they're going to give you it anyway because they're making a buck and they're in on the conspiracy. And they want to hurt children. Yeah, right. They, and they went to medical school so they could hurt children. So the quote that she quotes in her op-ed is people have the misconception that we want to eliminate vaccines please understand that we are not an anti-vaccine group we are demanding safe vaccines we want to reduce the schedule and reduce the toxins so she keeps maintaining the fact that she doesn't want to eliminate vaccines but then she goes on to say in this quote here i do believe sadly it's going to take some diseases coming back to realize that we need to change and develop vaccines that are safe. If the vaccines companies are not listening to us, it's their fucking fault that the diseases are coming back. They're making a product that's shit. If you give us a safe vaccine, we'll use it. It shouldn't be polio versus autism. That's pretty bold right there. Right. Well, it's it's awesome that she... Also, I cussed twice. Right. No, you didn't. You quoted. I quoted. For those of you who are counting... That does not count. But what fails to be mentioned time after time after time about this and her is she educationally is a no one. She has zero science background. She, 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 she's clearly um, well-read relative to the conspiracy side of this, but she's not an... In- She's not a, a, a disease expert. She's not a vaccine expert. She's not a scientist. She's not a, uh, she's not a credible source for information relative to hard scientific data. When she was asked if the rise in the incidence of autism has nothing to do with vaccines and could just be a result of better recognition of autistic symptoms, a widening of the diagnostic criteria, and some, uh, and some overdiagnosing, She said, all you have to do is find a school teacher or principal and ask them that question. They would say they've never seen so much ADHD, autism, and OCD as in the past. I think we're overdiagnosing it by maybe 1%. Now you look around and there are five shadows, kids with disabilities in every class. It's awesome that she, she's throwing out percentages. It's probably by 1%. Well, where do you get that data? Where do you get that number? Are you just saying that number? And also... She gives no credence at all, no, no explanation at all for the fact that overdiagnosis of both ADHD and autism 
are absolutely, and this is a cor- there's a direct correlation. And I don't want to make make the same mistake as her relative to attaching uh, a decision or uh, a result based on something else, but the DSM five relative or in comparison to the DSM four, which is the Diagnostic Statistical Manual. It's the it's the Bible for psychi- psychiatry and psychology. They've changed just between the, the DSM four and five. They've changed autism. There's no such thing as Asperger's anymore, according to the DSM five. So all the kids that were Asperger's now they're autistic. So now the number went to like one in sixty six kids are being diagnosed as autistic. It's it's absolutely has something to do with incorrect diagnosis and overdiagnosis. And it's not that necessarily that all the kids who had Asperger's now have autism. It's that it became autism spectrum disorder, and now it's somewhere on a spectrum. Right. So they're calling it something different. Listen, if if you started calling asthma cancer, then the, the cancer rates would go through the roof because everyone who had asthma would now be lumped in with everybody who has cancer. It's the same. It's the same thought. So just because you're calling it something doesn't mean that's what it is. And so then she goes on and talks about the the people with the misconceptions. So the full quote is given in this Time article that she referenced, and it continues on from people have the misconception that we want to eliminate vaccines. Please understand we are not an anti-vaccine group. We are demanding safe vaccines. We want to reduce the schedule and reduce the toxins. If you ask a parent of an autistic child if they want the measles or autism, we will stand in line for the fucking measles. And Jeffrey says something here that I think is really good. He says, yes, and if you ask people whether they prefer witches to be burned at the stake or their community to be demonically possessed, they'll stand in line for the witch burnings too. But they don't have to make that choice because witchcraft is make-believe just as much as your anti-vaccine nonsense. It's awesome. It's great that he's not, he's not afraid of the, the firestorm that these nutters will bring down on him because it's, he's speaking. He's got science on his side. He's got the data and the facts on his side. He wraps up his article by saying to her, he's writing this letter to her. He says, it's just too late to play cute with the things you've said, Jenny. You are either floridly, loudly, uninformedly anti-vaccine, or you are the most grievously misunderstood celebrity of the modern era. Your quote trail is far too long, and you have been far too wrong for the truth not to be obvious. He's, he's awesome. He did a good job there. And of course, you couldn't uh, you couldn't have a, a controversy with a celebrity of something of this magnitude without having Slate get in the middle of it. What Slate have to say? So Slate got involved as well and wrote a response to Jenny McCarthy. And one of the things they address is that she says she's never told anyone not to get vaccinated. And assuming that's true, great. But that's hardly the entry level position for being anti-vax. For example, they say, you can say things that are grossly incorrect about them that would scare parents into not vaccinating their children. Absolutely. She, she needs to respect that she has a voice and that she's a celebrity and that people are going to be listening to her. And she tries to act like she is not 
a voice for parents that they don't listen to her that that's not her role that she's not an advocate but she's written three books right. about autism she's on a perpetual book tour um proclaiming herself as an expert on the subject she wrote a book called louder than words a mother's journey in healing autism she wrote another book healing and preventing autism a complete guide and then mother warriors a nation of parents healing autism against all odds so if anything, she knows exactly how many people listen to her because she knows how many books she sold. Yes. So, for example, saying vaccines have toxins in them, as she has said for years, and even says in her Chicago Sun-Times article, it is a clear sign of being anti-vaccine. After all, this article states, if someone tells you you're putting toxins in your body, that sounds bad, right? Doesn't that make you want to stop doing whatever it is that's putting toxins inside you? She, she goes on. I've heard her say, and I'll play, where she says she's talking about secondhand smoke and how everybody's up in arms about secondhand smoke. But why are they going on talking about the toxins? People are afraid of secondhand smoke, but they're okay with injecting the second worst neurotoxin on the planet. It's, it's absurd. Comparing the two. Because she, what she never takes into account is how – she's talking about mercury in that clip – is how much mercury – how much mercury is – it's a toxin. Of course it's a toxin. But arsenic is also a toxin, and every glass of apple juice you drink has some level of arsenic in it. But there are safe levels of certain toxins, and there are unsafe levels of certain toxins. And in this Slate article, they touch on that, too. They say the amount of formaldehyde in a typical vaccination is much less than you'd get eating an apple. The same can be shown for other ingredients claimed to be toxins in vaccines as well. And they go on to talk about botulinum, Botox, yeah. and how it is the single most lethal toxin known to humans, yet Jenny McCarthy has enthusiastically praised injecting this toxin into her face. Slate asks, how can anyone possibly say that and also say vaccines have dangerous levels of toxins in them with a straight face? Well, I'll tell you how she says it with a straight face. It's because of all the Botox. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I've got a couple clips here where she is talking. She's on some lady's kitchen show or makeup house show or something. And the lady asks her how she stays so... What's her beauty regimen? How do you keep it looking so good? Do I, is the question. And um, Botox, working out, spray tanning, and eating right. Perfect. Perfect. She goes on where she's talking to Joy Behar, and they're, they're gabbing back and forth about each one of their Botox regimens, and she talks about, how it's important how to keep it under control how to keep your botox manageable anyway <laughs> do you get botox of course okay good okay um <laughs> yeah i do i i've been doing it i love it i love it too i don't have you know the key is minimal that's it the key's minimal well the key is also minimal in vaccines that that mercury level or that aluminum level which is used as a preservative for the vaccine, so it's still good. 
the key is minimal, keeping it minimal, keeping it at a very safe level. That's the key. Just like the Botox, the number one toxin, killing toxin to humans, just like that same toxin that you have injected into your face, it's safe because it's minimal. So onabotulinum toxin, A, Botox, is a neurotoxin as well. Neurotoxins are toxins that target the nervous system and disrupt the signaling that allows neurons to communicate effectively. Botulinum toxin is extremely toxic and it's actually used as a biological weapon. It's the same when you were a kid and you're shopping with your mom and if you if you if your mom's saying go get two cans of this or two cans of that and you come back with said cans and they're they're dented in any way and they're damaged that's because sometimes I mean, it's not just because it fell off the pallet. Sometimes it's because there's botul- botulism inside the can, which causes that to happen in the can. That's how like, powerful this shit is. So that's the same thing that we're talking about. Yes. And when I say it's a biological weapon, you can actually go look up stuff about botulinum toxin as a biological weapon on the CDC website and... It's bad news. Yeah, they, well, if if it's made into an aerosol and it can be sprayed, it can cover populations of people and absolutely just decimate the lives of hundreds of thousands of people if weaponized. The CDC website says it would cause acute, symmetric, descending, flaccid paralysis with prominent bulbar palsies, such as double vision, difficulty articulating words... Defective use of the voice and difficulty swallowing would all be side effects that would happen with that. Some of those could have, could apply to me right now. <laughs> yes. So just like vaccines, research shows that Botox is safe in treating a variety of ailments, even when used long term. Of course, it's depending on the dosage and for what ailment is being treated. Just like any other drug or injection, there are side effects associated with its use. And it's most popularly used for smoothing the face wrinkles temporarily. That's what Jenny McCarthy uses it for. Curbing underarm sweating, severe underarm sweating, uncontrollable blinking, misaligned eyes. There's a variety of things that Botox is used to treat. But the hypocrisy of Jenny McCarthy's statements is that just like vaccines, just like vaccines... Botox is safe when used how it is directed to be used by medical professionals, even though it is a neurotoxin. Yes, there are ingredients that are less than appetizing, but that doesn't mean that the product itself is dangerous, just like vaccines. Exactly like vaccines. But she's a champion of Botox. Right. Well, when if you notice in that clip with Joy Behar, when she asks Joy, Be- Joy Behar, hey, do you get Botox? When Joy Behar answers yes, Jenny McCarthy's his, her response is, oh, good, good. Yes. She's advocating its use. Yes. So the Slate article continues, and I really liked this quote from, from this article because Jenny McCarthy relies heavily on anecdotes. They say, anecdotes are not data. We know people are subject to dozens of different biases that lead them down the wrong path when trying to determine cause and effect. That's why medical studies are done so carefully to make sure we aren't fooling ourselves. And the medical studies clearly show that there's no connection between autism and vaccines. Yeah. And again, we'll state again that even 
the Autism Advocacy Group, Autism Speaks, on their website, they say there is no link between autism and vaccines. Yes. So she can continue to try to say that she's anti-vaccine, but everything that she says means that she's anti-vaccine. So in this next clip, it's her talking about this kind of goes back to the anecdotal evidence where, listen, you, you can ask parents and blah, blah, blah. That's great. And I'm sure they have touching stories that are uh, replete with sorrow and, and terror for them. It's, it's terrible. However, it's not scientific data. It's not research. Those are anecdotal. That would be anecdotal evidence. People are also dying from vaccinations. Evan, my, Evan, my son, died in front of me for two minutes. So you ask any mother in the autism community if we'll take the flu, the measles, over autism any freaking day of the week. So I think they need to wake up and stop hurting our kids. They being doctors, they being medical professionals, people who have dedicated their lives to healing people. Yes, and so she's saying that well, wait a minute, diseases kill people, but hey, so do vaccines. And she says that she'd rather take the measles. Well, if vaccinations were stopped, each year about 2.7 million measles deaths would occur worldwide. Yeah, unbelievable. How many deaths would occur from vaccines every year? How many, how many deaths occur? Well, there's no data on that, but how many deaths occur? From, it's not 2.7 million. From autism. I wonder how many kids die of autism every year. Yeah. So we can kind of wrap this up. And again, it's one of those cases where we could have started with this clip and we wouldn't have had to talk this whole time. But that wouldn't have made for a very entertaining show. And you wouldn't know everything you now know. That's true. So Jenny McCarthy, let's sum this up. Jenny McCarthy just came out and said that she is not only is she not anti-vaccine, she is pro-vaccine. Mm. Well, let's let Jenny McCarthy tell you in her own words what she thinks when asked. I think the reporter asks in the clip, but I'll restate it. Or I'll pre-state it, pre-restate it. <laughs> if you were to have another child, would you vaccinate your child? So you have, you have another baby. You have a second baby. What are you going to do different this time? I wouldn't vaccinate at all. Not at all. Ever. Not for my child. No way. Pro-vaccine. Not for my child. No way. So there's a couple things to really take away from this. One, Jenny McCarthy is an abject hypocrite. And a liar, apparently. Yeah, and a liar. But two, if you're listening, Jenny, again, it's going to be a speech from Jesse direct to the person who doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> if you're listening, Jenny... You need to realize your celebrity, your notoriety, has weight. You have a massive voice which parents, mothers, grandparents, people who are interested in this subject, they listen to it because you are a household name, not just for showing your tits either. You're a household name because you have purported yourself an expert in the field. You have written books. Three books. You have written multiple books. Well, three books about autism. You have wrote, written multiple books about autism. You've written other books about showing your tits. 
So you, whether you would like to admit it or not, are listened to. There are a lot of people out there who are searching for answers who have conspiratorial minds and they are following your lead. And you need to provide good information. Don't be the Kenneth Copeland, who's that pastor in Texas, who there's a measles outbreak in the outlying area from his church because he preached not to vaccinate your kids. Don't be that person. Be somebody who's going to be a, cha- a force for good in the world, a force for health in the world. This is an outrage that you I could easily found, found the clip where you said, if I was to have another child, I would absolutely not vaccinate him, him or her. I would absolutely not vaccinate the child. No way. It's irresponsible. It sure is. <laughs> so coming down from that, I think we're going to wrap up the show. Just a message to all of y'all. If you have something to say, 657-464-7609. That is our anti-vaxxer hotline. Leave a message. <laughs> Get us on Twitter. Like us on the Facebook page. Go and rate and review. We're still... We are still in the new and noteworthy section of our category on iTunes, which is phenomenal. This is our lucky number 13 episode. It's been well over a month, and we're still up there in that slot, and that's only because of your guys' support and the rating and the reviewing. Um, we really appreciate it. It's very helpful, and it's, uh, it's a nice little ego boost, too. Not like I need any help. So, on that note... Again, we appreciate your support. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore. This has been I Doubt. I wouldn't vaccinate at all. Not at all. Ever. Not for my child. No way.